If you're enjoying History Extra Long Reads, make sure you follow us to keep up to date and get all the latest episodes. Thank you for your support. I hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to History Extra Long Reads, where we take a deep dive into the past, bringing you the very best of BBC History magazine, with fascinating articles from leading historical experts. For some servicemen hardened by a long military career, death in battle is preferable to simply fading away in old age. In this long read, Joshua Levine tells the story of one such man, Walter Cowan, a retired naval officer who leapt bravely back into the fray during the Second World War at the age of 70. Today's feature originally appeared in the Christmas 2023 issue of BBC History magazine and has been voiced in partnership with the Royal National Institute of Blind People. Admiral Sir Walter Cowan was a true Victorian. He came of age as a midshipman in the days of sail, and his lifelong principles, duty, courage and British moral superiority were common to many Victorians. Unlike others of his generation, however, Cowan spent his later years fighting the Nazis. At the age of 70, he carried out daring commando raids alongside men less than a third of his age. After a long and glorious naval career, he went in search of an equally glorious death. Cowan never attended school. Instead, in 1884, aged just 13, he became a naval cadet on HMS Britannia, a two-decades-old battleship moored off Dartmouth. His father, a friend of the Admiral of the Fleet, had used his connections to secure his son this posting. Cowan was unsurprisingly homesick, his mood not improved by the reek of fresh paint permeating the lower decks of the Britannia. When we were all fallen in on arrival, 
he wrote. Quite a few boys were sick and some fainted. The food was bad, he recalled, but there was unlimited beer for the midday meal. Such experiences were intended to instill an ethos of manliness in the cadets in an era when the Royal Navy was still all masts, yards and violence. Mass brawls often broke out on board, with several dozen boys fighting each other, each one doing his utmost to draw blood. Cowan, a smallish lad, was worried that he was too weak to be an asset to his mates. A nasty eye injury, however, cemented his status among the other boys. After HMS Britannia, in 1886, Cowan became a midshipman with the Mediterranean fleet in Malta, where the emphasis on toughness continued. If a man didn't prove himself a sailor, he had a dog's life, he recalled. Every Monday morning, for example, a crowd would gather around the Grand Harbour in the Maltese capital, Valletta, to watch the fleet's ships compete against each other in sail drill. On a signal, the sailors would spring into life, shifting lines and moving sails. Speed was essential and showmanship a given. Safety, though, was an irrelevance. According to Cowan, as often as not by the end of the morning, one or more of the splendid upper yardmen would have come crashing down 160 feet to death. On another occasion, while Cowan tried to remedy a jam in a Nordenfelt gun, he failed to notice his colleague's growing impatience. He was prompted to hurry up by his commander, who knocked me flat with his fist. Cowan found promotion difficult to achieve, until an instructor encouraged him to cheat in an exam. As it did not entail anybody else failing instead of me, Cowan wrote, there was no dishonour. And it was just as well he passed. Short of money, he'd recently been forced to pawn his sextant. In 1889, Cowan joined his first ship without sails, and having already served in Africa, his quest for adventure soon began in earnest. He begged to be sent to West Africa after hearing of trouble on the Gambia River. There he fought one group which he claimed had a tendency to cannibalism. Not habitually, it used to break out on special occasions, he noted. He also travelled with his shipmates to islands where Captain Kidd, the pirate, was said to have buried his treasure. Cowan and his comrades searched, but all that happened was quite a lot of fever from digging up virgin soil. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Rather more productively, Cowan carried out patrols aiming to suppress the slave trade. The traffickers, he recalls, would throw enslaved people overboard in the hope that he would stop to pick them up. Cowan and his men looted as they went, collecting local objects including a most beautiful curved executioner's sword with an ivory and silver handle. By 1898, Cowan was commanding a steamer charged with clearing Mahdist forces from the banks of the Nile in Sudan. He then went against Admiralty orders by turning soldier, serving for more than two years as aide de camp to Lord Kitchener during the Boer War, 1899-1902. On his return to England, he married. He later wondered whether the couple's honeymoon in Ireland had not been not a little selfish. His new wife found herself with nothing to do while he went out hunting. Back at sea, Cowan experienced an era of rapidly developing technology. While second in command of HMS Resolution, for example, he used wireless telegraphy to send a call sign, a tremendous achievement in his eyes. Similarly, he took part in the first anti-submarine manoeuvres, testing various unsuccessful methods such as a net towed between two vessels. If a submarine became enmeshed, Cowan wrote, it caused a red flag to appear above the surface. During the First World War, Cowan became flag captain on HMS Princess Royal, taking part in the Battle of Jutland. His naval experiences spanned six decades, encompassing both sailing ships and armed cruisers, his final post being first and principal naval aide-de-camp to the king. He retired in 1931 as Admiral Sir Walter Cowan, Baronet of the Baltic and Bilton. Much of his retirement was spent fox hunting, and it was on returning home exhilarated from the season's final hunt, after the outbreak of hostilities with Nazi Germany, that he decided to extend his own season. I felt I'd better get into the war, he recalled. At almost 70 years old, Cowan knew this would be difficult, but began approaching influential friends, offering to serve in any rank without pay. One of these friends, Admiral Sir Roger Keyes, Director of Combined Operations, agreed to find him a job. He thought I had some slight fighting value, he later wrote. This was how, in 1941, Cowan came to join the recently created commandos, named after a loose-knit band of South African horsemen that clashed with British forces during the Boer War. The unit had been formed the previous year as an outfit capable of striking hard without warning, then slipping away. Cowan was posted to Layforce, a composite commando unit sent to the Middle East in the spring. In April 1941, he found himself in a landing craft on his way to raid the coastal town of Bardia in Libya, then occupied by Axis forces. He was sitting alongside another unlikely Layforce member, the overweight novelist Evelyn Waugh, who was unknowingly most of him sitting on me, but I was so pleased at being at last involved in an enterprise that I felt I'd better endure it. Once ashore, things quickly began to go wrong. It was all rather like finding a wasp's nest and stirring it up with a stick, reported Cowan in the aftermath. Little damage was done to the town and the commandos had extreme difficulty getting away. 
Indeed, the raid was considered an abject failure, and the unit saw no action for several weeks till, in mid-May, commandos boarded the river gunboat HMS Aphis for an attack on an enemy position near the besieged port of Tobruk, a little west of Bardia. Every day for a week, the gunboat came under attack from Stukas, Junkers, 88 medium bombers, and Italian Savoia, 79 bombers. The experience was hellish for all those involved, except for one man. Walter Cowan walked nonchalantly up and down the deck, firing his Tommy gun at aircraft. His fellow commandos began to suspect that his ambition was not quite the same as theirs. For a man of Cowan's era, whose life was informed by war and service, death in battle seemed preferable to illness and decline. He was disappointed in his ambition. Of the estimated 172 bombs dropped on the Aphis, not one achieved a direct hit, though the ship was so badly damaged that the raid had to be called off. Following another engagement in Crete that ended with a heavy loss of men, the decision was taken to disband Layforce. Cowan went on to serve with the 18th King Edward VII's own cavalry at the Battle of Berhakim in the Libyan desert, where he made another attempt to die, this time by refusing to surrender to the crew of an Italian armoured car. A machine gun opened fire at near point-blank range, but failed to hit him. He was, to his evident disappointment, taken prisoner. I had no feeling of dread or desire to take cover, Cowan wrote of the experience, but only of great interest that in a second or two I was going to be the other side of the curtain and finished entirely with this life. Death was merely the next adventure for this Victorian gentleman. It all felt very matter-of-fact, he recalled. I had not a regret, and probably owing to having just had a rather good breakfast I was feeling as well as I ever could be. Cowan would have many more good breakfasts. He was a POW for less than a year before being repatriated as part of a prisoner exchange. So Cowan being Cowan, he returned to the commandos in 1944, serving in Italy before finally leaving the martial life behind for good. He survived the war by more than a decade, dying in 1956 at the age of 84. His unpublished memoir, The Wheel of Fortune Through Seventy Years, begins with a poem by Edmund Holmes that encapsulates his remarkable life. I wander free, finding peace of mind in infinite unrest. Today's long read was written by author and historian Joshua Levine. His latest book is SAS, The Illustrated History of the SAS, published by William Collins in 2023. Thanks again to the Royal National Institute of Blind People for their help voicing this article, which first appeared in the Christmas 2023 issue of BBC History magazine.